Thanks for tuning in to The Modern Coup. This is the first episode. I'm your host, Jenna Reed. I'm a first-time mom. And in a moment, you're going to meet my co-host and friend, Joanne Schneider, who has fostered 51 medically complex newborn babies. There's no better day to launch this podcast than Mother's Day. And my baby just turned six months old. And in honor of these major life events, I've convinced Joanne, she's 65, I'm 31, to go live with me uh, and to answer burning questions that first time moms have. Uh, At The Modern Coup, you know, we really got started in 2020 when half of my bridal party, half of my bridesmaids and girlfriends got pregnant. And we really had very different experiences but similar, similar in the sense that we had no idea just looking at the information out there, what was, you know, just marketing and what was really needed? What does my child need? Um, There were a lot of conflicting facts and it really impacted our mental health as, you know, first time moms that, you know, we really want the best for our child. We really had a difficult time, all of us, knowing what was true, what was real, what, what 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 did my baby really need? What was really going on? When should I genuinely be concerned? And, um, you know, once my friends learned that about Joanne and that she fostered 51 medically complex newborns and she recommended this, you know, my phone started blowing up. It was like, oh, Jenna, can you ask Joanne this? Can you ask Joanne that? you know, okay, reverse zip zippers, reverse zip onesies, critical, you know, making sure that you can change the baby and they, they can still basically sleep while you're changing them at night. Okay, all these little things that you otherwise wouldn't know when you're making your registry or when you're staying up at night wondering, you know, my baby has hiccups right now, is that okay? Anyways, you know, Googling that stuff became really rough on our mental health. Um, and asking Joanne was just something that gave us peace of mind. Like, okay, this woman's fostered 51 medically complex babies. What does she say? (laughs) So when all else fails, we ask Joanne and now you can too. If you go to the link in our bio on Instagram, that's the modern coup on Instagram. You can answer three quick questions and join us on the show live. Um, we're going to go live on Sundays with Joanne. And if you want to pre-order our book, Joanne's going to kill me, but yes, we've also written a book. Um, it's all about how to get fear, uh, how to get moms answers. They can trust to fearlessly raise their kids. You can use the promo code fearless and pre-order that book using the link in our bio on Instagram. That's the modern coup on Instagram. If you enjoy this video, please like and subscribe it because we're still filming it in my bedroom. So we could definitely use your support. Here we go. This is The Modern Coup. At The Modern Coup, we believe you know best. Mother knows best. That being said, this these are just opinions that we have in this podcast. So if you have an urgent medical question, be sure to ask a medical professional. Okay? Okay. Thanks for tuning into The Modern Coup, where two generations of women help you navigate the crazy. I'm a first-time mom, Jenna Reed. I'm here with a good friend, Joanne Schneider, who has fostered 51 medically complex children, infants, newborns. 
as well as four of her own. Five of her own. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> We're here today because there's just so much information out there. And if you've tuned into the news lately, it seems like everyone has a recommendation of this, that, the other, ifs, buts. I mean, if the, you know, pediatric recommendations aren't changing, then, you know, their latest and greatest trend is booming. And I thought you'd have some great recommendations that we can just dive into for new moms, first time moms or moms who are kind of getting back into the game and having their second, third, 50 second, 50, 50 second. <laughs> so what's really cool about this series for me is that sometimes Joanne and I will agree. Sometimes we're will disagree. She's the one with actual experience. I'm the one with the first time child born in a pandemic. So for all the moms out there, what we want you to know is that you know best. Yeah, like mom you, knows best. Mom you, knows Every best. baby's different. Every baby's different. And for me, it just helps me sleep at night to hear yeah. Joanne say that because oftentimes yeah. it feels like there's no way to know what's right in any given moment. Whether you're planning for, caring for, or birthing your first child, there's a lot of information out there to navigate. And it's just insanity. Even the expectations these days for modern mothers are insane. Joanne, you shared an article with me earlier this week. Yeah, um, we've talked about it with, well, you were pregnant and your friends and how a lot of moms are mothering from a place of guilt and fear. And whether it's the pandemic or whether it's just the times we're in that you're expected to do everything perfectly. And if you're not, then you're a bad mom. And not that guilt doesn't come along with being a mother, because it does. You're never, ever going to meet your expectations, and that's okay. But everything that's on the internet, I mean, everything's about what bad things could happen and that you should be able to keep your house, cook your meals, take care of your baby. And a lot of the time, the expectation is that the baby is the center of your world and you should be concentrating all of your efforts on that baby as long as it's awake and... Which is just impossible. I mean... Well, it's yeah. impossible and it's probably not the best thing for your baby. Interesting. Yeah, because you would think if you gave every minute of attention that you humanly possibly mm -hmm. could that your baby would turn out, you know, at least straight A's. Yeah, or well, your baby will probably turn out to be a needy person who can't concentrate on things in the moment that doesn't have an, an, um, an imagination to, you know, play by himself or herself or be able to sit and wait for 30 seconds or a minute because every time they go, ah, you're there. So the expectation becomes when I, ah, I expect someone will be there. I mean, you want to build trust. That's the most important thing in the first year of your baby's life. That they know that if something happens, if something's bad, someone's going to come. They learn by their experiences of, okay, you know, I'm trying to do this and it's frustrating and I can't do it. So if I can't reach the toy, is mom going to come over like right away and hand it to me? Or am I going to have to figure out how to get to the toy? Mm -hmm. Which is so hard. I uh -huh. mean, even now, I'm just like <laughs> kind of watching from afar and, or pretty mm -hmm. close, but, um, you know, you know, trying to let go. So this article was called The Real Reasons Moms Don't Have Enough Time. Right. And in parentheses, it said, you know, and it's not because She's they're wasting, wasting time. The time. Right. right? Mm -hmm. um, and I love the infographic. And the biggest takeaway from the article is that there should not be those compartments. So in other words... Um, they use the example of doing housework. 
well, the only time you can do housework is when you're not playing with your child. And, you know, these, of course, are older, you know, two-year-olds, one, one and a half, two-year-old, three-year-old, you know, or you have to sit them in front of the screen. There's no reason that you can't do your housework with your child. You know, they don't learn that the cleaning fairies come while they're down for their nap, which is happening. Kids, I know moms that won't go to the grocery store with their child. They wait till their partner is home to, to watch the child while they go to the grocery store. And all their chores are done when the baby's either napping or sleeping at night, which, you know, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time. So back in the day, my kids rode on the vacuum cleaner. When I vacuumed, they eat, they had their own little brooms and dustpans. And sure, sometimes it took me longer to fold the laundry because I had a helper, but they learned how to sweep. They learned how to cook. They learned how to wash dishes. They learned how, you know, my baby now that I have now, she's 11 months old. If I'm in the kitchen, she's in the kitchen. She might be on the floor with pots and pans. She might have a dish rag that she's cleaning with on the floor, but you know, I'm not sitting playing with her because I have chores that need to be done and she's fine. And she's fine. She's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, it's difficult. And in the wall street journal, just a few weeks ago, February 20th, it was published. Being a mother can be very isolating Mm -hmm. and that's just becoming even more exacerbated with the Mm -hmm. pandemic and mom shaming is on the rise. And Mm -hmm. I, I I really wanted to run that article by Mm -hmm. you, but a lot of people are going to these groups on Facebook Mm -hmm. or Instagram trying to connect and have some camaraderie and they're getting the opposite of that. It is. It's really sad. It's really sad. Um, The one girl that asked something about breastfeeding and somebody said something about a bottle and all of a sudden it was like this big thing about why are you giving your baby a bottle? And, you know, again, I just feel like the two dogs on the opposite side of the fence where they're snarling and growling. And when, when the fence opens, and they're actually face-to-face, then they're polite to one another. And when the gate closes and they've got that wall where they really can't see each other mm-hmm. and they're at each other, it's kind of like that. When, they're, when you're on the internet, people aren't afraid to say hateful things or hurtful things. And maybe even sometimes it's not coming from a place of hurt or harm, but it comes across that way because you don't get the intonation of the voice. You just get a texty little mm-hmm. message and you are very vulnerable right now anyway because you're already questioning what you're doing and so you know you internalize it as something that is more than it was meant to be maybe mm-hmm. sometimes not sometimes they're downright nasty super downright <laughs> nasty. so if you can you're lucky then that a lot of your friends had babies at the same time um so you do have some people to bounce things off of but i know you found that all of your friends and your baby are totally different you know, yeah. some of them like tummy time. Some of them don't like tummy time. Some of them are sleeping 12 hours at night. Some of them are not sleeping, you know. And so I think every mom needs to learn her baby. And are you going to make mistakes? Absolutely. And so what? And it's such a catch 22 because, mm-hmm. you know, here we have more access to people than ever before. Mm-hmm. And yet that's a great thing. And oftentimes mm-hmm terrible thing for your own mental health mm-hmm. to be in a space like that mm-hmm. to be online hearing all this feedback it's right. really difficult to sift through um and then you know you started fostering children when you were how old well let's see 
29. 29. Right. And then did you feel like there were resources? Like you couldn't immediately access thousands of women with a question. No, right. You're right. And I think that was a bad thing and a good thing. When I brought my first child that I birthed home and I wanted to breastfeed, um, I had nothing. I had no one. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, you were in the hospital back then two days instead of one day, but still there was, there was no lactation specialist coming and telling you what to do. And it was hard. It was really hard. And there were times that I just wanted to give up. And I did have one friend who has, was having her third child and she had breastfed and thank God for her because, you know, she was like, don't worry about it. There's no wrong way. Let him decide how he wants to do this, you know? And so we were able to get through it. But I think sometimes today there's too much information. And let's face it, if you want to find out something and you look it up and it says this, mm -hmm. if you don't like this, look somewhere else and you'll get somebody that tells you the exact opposite thing. So, you know, there's very few things that are cut in stone. There, it's not black and white. Having a baby is not black and white. Being a mom is not black and white. It's gray. It's gray. And as more gray as you can live with, the happier and more relaxed you're going to be. Which is why I'm so grateful, Joanne, that you live down the street. <laughs> because even though the world is gray, it's really nice to have, I mean, 55 data mm -hmm. points mm -hmm. from you mm -hmm. um, as far as like, what, what should I be doing right, right now? Based on your experience mm -hmm. with all these newborn children, right. many of them medically complex, mm -hmm. What should I do in the moment? Like you said, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a teacher. I'm not. But over the years, my focus from the time I was seven has been babies and young children. And my career focused on after I got my nursing degree, it focused on chronically ill children because I didn't like being in the hospital um, with the acute stuff. I mean, I did it for two years worked in intensive care, saved the kid's life and off they went. You never saw them again. And I just really felt something was missing. So most of my career, I've worked with chronically ill children. And so it was after they went home from the hospital or while they were in a long-term hospitalization. So I got to learn what it's like to be 24 seven with those children and learned little tidbits from therapists, from teachers, from other nurses. So I can call some of my people that I used to work with and say, I've got this kid and this is what's going on. And I mean, even now after 56 kids, I can say, you know, I, I've never seen this before. And that's why I say every baby's different. I always think that I've seen it all. And then I get another one, another kid come into the house with something I've never seen before. And so I thought we'd do a lightning round of questions with Joanne today. Eventually we'll make this a live experience mm -hmm. where you can ask questions below. Today, I've just literally stolen questions that are asked all the time in mom groups. I'll keep them anonymous, but um, we want you to feel like you can ask whatever you want. Ask whatever you want. And remember, it's not a rule. It's just some advice. And sometimes I may not know. We'll just see. All right, it's time for rapid questions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We use nap time on Sundays yes. to, uh, to record these. All right. Caveat here is mother knows best. Mm -hmm. So you know your child best, but we're just going to rapid fire these. Baby won't sleep unless she's in my arms. <laughs> Try different things. Um, let her. The best thing to do is not hold your baby until they fall asleep. Now, 
breastfed babies and even bottle fed babies, they get that milk drunk and they fall asleep in your arms. Once they're asleep, you need to put them down. Um, we use swaddling. Think about how the baby was in the womb, all tucked in and snug as a bug in a rug. And when they moved, they had resistance from the womb itself. And when they're newborn like that, you'll see even when you're holding them, their knees are tucked mm -hmm. up and they're, they love that position and swaddling gives them that position. You're going to read back to sleep, no swaddling, you know, okay. <laughs> when a baby's loose and they have nothing to resist against, you'll see them startle. Well, every time they startle, they wake themselves up. And then they typically, sometimes they'll go right back to sleep. Sometimes they're going to. So again, put them down, let them go to sleep on their own, swaddle, sideline, mm -hmm. nothing in the bed, but the baby, firm mattress, no blankets, no stuffed animals. You know, all that is great advice. And this is rapid fire. So yep. we're not going to get to yep. everything. Yeah, we're not going to go about into sleep. Yep. Um, sleep when the baby sleeps. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's hard because you want to do, you want to do your housework that those you're going to be exhausted. You're going to go from like super high after that baby's born to like the depths. Question number two, my baby doesn't like swaddles. A hundred percent of the mothers that I know right now say that their baby doesn't like swaddles, including myself, including myself. When I first got, when, when she if was born. Yep. If you're swaddling correctly, there's very few babies that don't like swaddling. And will they resist it at first? Possibly because they want to be they want to be awake and screaming. That's what they're, but if you swaddle correctly um, and they're going to outgrow it, but that first month, um, if you swaddle them right and you use the right materials. I like to use the little stretchy blankets, not the um, receiving blankets from the hospital, because again, it gives them enough to move against, but it keeps them contained and compressed and calm. <laughs> All right. The next question is, what should I add to my registry? Oh, wow. Don't spend a lot of money on baby stuff because babies don't use anything for very long, except for maybe the high chair, the crib, um, a stroller and a car seat. Those are the things that you can spend money on. And even then, if you buy a wooden crib, they're going to chew it. So it's not going to be nice for long. So you want to spend a thousand dollars on something you're going to use for two years and then it's going to look like a chipmunk lived in it. It's totally up to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, bouncers, baby, what are those little seats that vibrate and bounce? Um, you know, there's this new robotic. Oh, the $1,200 crib. Yeah. You want to spend money on that and yeah. they, oh, it's a bassinet basically. So you're not going to use it once that child starts pushing up to sit, which is about six months. So if you can find one and you want to borrow it, consignment stores are my, you know, I love new stuff. Um, uh, my friends call me the baby gear snob. I like the, <laughs> you know, the great stuff, but have I spent money on stuff that I've never used? Yeah. I can attest to the fact that they're amazing. Yep. Even during a pandemic, I remember mm -hmm. the first consignment shop we went to, mm -hmm. I wore a mask, mm -hmm. rubber gloves. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't know about this, <laughs> <laughs> but it was great. And yep. um, the best tip that I got from you was Look for reverse zip sleepers in mm -hmm. consignment. Yeah. Um, and I bought like 24 of those. Yeah, she really needs. didn't need that many. I found all of them. I was like, there's so few. I mean, they're yeah. kind of hard to find. Because I think everybody passes them along to their friends. They don't make it to the consignment stores very often. Yeah, but reverse yeah. zip, yep. you know, slide the leggies out, yep. change the diaper. You're not having to undress them in the middle of the night. Next question. My baby hates tummy time. Hates tummy time. What do I do? Spend more 
time on tummy time. <laughs> I mean, it's baby's getting very upset. From day upset. one. If your baby is, and then we're going to go, we're going to go against this whole back to sleep thing, which is another six episodes, you know, because again, we're seeing pros and cons to that now. Um, babies still die of SIDS, but I do know that they're seeing a lot of longer term. We won't call them long term, but I'm talking up, up until kindergarten and preschool delays in children who spent all their time on their back. They're late crawling, they're late sitting, they're late, they can't grasp pens, their fine motor skills are not what they should be at the, you know, do they catch up eventually? Yes. You know, but more tummy time, the better. And again, everybody's so terrified mm-hmm. of not following the rules, you know. How do you deal with the, you know, I've, I'm trying five minutes a day, mm-hmm. or I'm trying five minutes multiple times a day. Multiple times a day. But I can't stand that my baby's upset right now. How do you deal? It's really comes down to the more time they spend on their stomach, the more they like it because they become their world is basically horizontal. When they're on their back, they're like a turtle on the back. They can't do anything. They have no coordination. They have no input of where they are. Basically, it's like being asleep and your arms are out and you know, you have that falling dream where it's like, you don't know where your body parts are. They have no recognition of where they are in space when they're on their back. So it's about control, developing a sense it of control. It is. And I mean, calming what- and calming because they have input. There's no input when they're on their back. So, I mean, if there's a way that you can keep them when they're awake on their belly from day one, then they're going to be the kid that's reaching for the, for the teether to chew on it or looking up and looking around and exploring their environment. Okay. This is from online. My baby has reflux. Should I stop eating dairy as recommended by my pediatrician? That's a new one to me. See, I reflux reflux isn't caused from my medical background, not caused by what the baby's eating it's usually caused by an immaturity of the valve the flap that keeps the food from going into your airway you have you have an airway and you have a food way and when you swallow the airway is closed when you well when their bellies get full in some instances especially if they're laying flat on their back unfortunately the food comes up the formula comes up um, in a normal everyday case, it's just spitting up. We used to just say, oh, he spits up a lot. The reflux causes real distress if it's really reflux. So I, in my experience, have really tried to treat it with keeping them elevated for a half an hour after they eat, you know, up in like in a little incline, kind of like they're sitting in their car seat, that kind of an incline. Um, keeping them on their belly and making sure that they don't need to be burped more frequently, um, feeding them small amounts more frequently. Some, almost every kid's going to basically puke mm-hmm. once in a while. Silent reflux or, or active. Right. I mean, you know, they took a little bit too much mm-hmm. or they've got the hiccups and the whole bottle comes up and it's scary. But if it's happening once every five days, it's not an issue. If it's happening after every feeding, then you need to be 
go into the pediatrician. Next we have, should I get the COVID vaccine? I'm breastfeeding. I believe today, and we could change this tomorrow. <laughs> today, I believe they are recommending okay. that pregnant women get the vaccine. There's not enough research to say definitively, you need to do this, you need to do that. From a nursing standpoint, I, be I believe in vaccinations. Um, I am old enough to have seen some kids, you know, with measles, chicken pox, whooping cough, you know, die. And most kids just got it, you know, and got over it. But I've known, seen children who are deaf, men who are sterile. You know, there are serious side effects and it's not always. And so with this COVID thing, we don't know enough yet, but we want to get back to normal. And I'm not afraid of, I guess I'm not afraid of the vaccine. I don't think I'm going to grow a third eye out of my forehead if I get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that's their recommendation today. It could change, you know. They're now saying that first they were saying 17 and older. Now they're saying 12. Interesting. So it, we're learning as this goes mm -hmm. on. So you have to look at your own situation. What's your family set up? You know, do you have elderly parents that you want to spend time with? then you probably want to get a vaccine. I don't want to be induced on Friday. I've tried so hard to go all natural help. This kind of resonates. Um, I think you have to go back to trusting your doctor. You know, if you, in your research, if you've seen that, you know, X amount of his patients are having C-sections and this percentage of his patients are being induced on Friday mornings, you know, so the weekend doesn't get interrupted. <laughs> you got to pick, you got it. And, you know, and there are medical reasons to induce. There are medical reasons to induce labor. Um, it shouldn't be happening like routinely. It shouldn't be happening routinely. And yet it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least, you know, we're in Brevard County in the space coast. And it does seem like most women are shocked and surprised that they're going to be induced in their mm -hmm. 39th week. Um, on I would day. ask that on my first visit. Right. What are your feelings about induction? induction. How many of your patients are being induced? How many of your patients are In having C-sections? medically necessary, mm -hmm. that's shifting mm -hmm. a lot because is it medically necessary or is it, you know, this is the way I run my office? Mm -hmm. Right. That's what I mean. That's what you have yeah. to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the last question is mine. Uh-oh. <laughs> I get to ask Joanne, my kid has to get her vaccines tomorrow. She's four months old. Vaccines have always been a nightmare for me, literally mm -hmm. dreaming at night, terrible dreams. Um, and also now she's so much more aware of the world. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's when she looks old. at me, she's going to know that I am the one who gave her a vaccine. Um, so what can I do? Okay. Yeah. I don't let them look at me. That's, <laughs> that's the first thing. I'm the leg holder. Okay. I don't want to be in their face to make the, and, you know, do they think that kind of a process? Oh, you're hurting me. I don't think so, but it makes me feel better. Uh, <laughs> I, I will hold their arms, but I'm down, you know, out of the way. Yeah. Um, if, you know, I've, I've had children that needed to have routine injections and sometimes I had to give them, but right. I usually try to be the one that picks them up when it's over. 
you know, and it's over, you know, she's already had her two month vaccines and it doesn't get any worse than that. Right. You know, until they're four and they know they're getting a shot and I don't want to get a shot. And then you bribe them, you know, you're into the bribery thing, you know, you'd be, you know, you, it's going to hurt. I don't ever lie to my kids. It's going to hurt just for a second. And then we'll do blah, blah, blah. But (laughs) it's, it's almost like, okay, you know, you're doing this because it's what's good for them. And as soon as it's over, you're going to, and they're fast. Those girls are fast. They're fast. They are fast. And then you pick her up and it'll be over. Uh, The first time is a, is a crapshoot. She did not run a fever afterwards. Nope. And she really wasn't even irritable. No. So this time I probably wouldn't give her Tylenol before she went because she had no reaction the first time. So if when she gets home, she runs a fever or she seems to be, and now that she's putting weight on her legs, you know, mm-hmm. she seems to be uncomfortable, then yes, mm-hmm, I would. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And I mean, you gave me a special tip. I mean, child Tylenol used to be a thing, then it wasn't a thing. They had infant Tylenol and child yes. Tylenol, and now they don't have that anymore. I'm, yeah, I think, and I may be, I may be wrong, but be, I think they updated. only have children's now, right? Right. And the reason for that was the infant Tylenol was twice as concentrated because you didn't want to give the baby a large amount. So, you know, you were giving them, you know, 0.5 of this medication, whatever, you know, which is like that much. And then your big kid, you were giving them this much of the children's. So the children's Tylenol is a larger volume because it's a hundred milligrams in what in a teaspoon. We'll call it a teaspoon just because it's easier. All your doctors have these now, your pharmacies have these now, and your directions will say 2.5 mLs, and then in parentheses, it'll say one half of a teaspoon. Don't ever use teaspoons. They are, every teaspoon is different. It's not an accurate way to give medication to your baby. Always use a syringe. And like I said, it'll be at both ways on your bottle. But they changed that. Like I said, they did away with the Tylenol and the Advil, which you shouldn't give your baby Advil till six months. Um, but they did away with that because of people were making mistakes and they were either overdosing their children or underdosing their children. This syringe was very difficult to find. You oh, no. Why? Them this small. Oh, OK. Yes, um, you're correct. Just Google 3ML syringe. Yeah. OK. All right, so we're going to end here with a pro tip. Pro tip being from Joanne, some of the best advice I got from you was let your partner take the reins. Mm-hmm. Now, this was the probably the hardest lesson for me to learn when my child was born. Hey, I'm the one telling you I left her home with him alone. So <laughs> <laughs> after 55 kids. So yeah. You can handle it now. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, hard to do, hard to do, easier said than done, but um, letting your partner take the reins, even when they're screwing everything up. It's hard. It's hard because, of course, you know, I'm from a different generation. So my husband probably changed six diapers until the kids were walking. Once those kids were walking, he was awesome. I mean, he even took Derek to Germany by himself when he was 18 months old. Wow. And and once he got there, he had his mom to help him, but still (laughs) that's a big deal. Um, But when he, when they were little, he'd never been around other babies. He'd never been around babies. So he didn't know how to, he didn't know how to do anything, hold them because his kids, he didn't do anything with his two that he had from his previous marriage. So he was a single child. 
Yeah. And he was a single. Yeah. He was a singleton. Yeah. But it's hard if they're not doing it your way (laughs) or the right way. Yeah. But they, they're going to develop their relationship with their dad and it's going to be different than the relationship with their mom. And so they'll learn their own things that, oh, she likes it when I do this. She may not like it when you do it because you probably don't do it the way he does it. So let him spend time with the baby. And, you know, sometimes they're uncomfortable because they think the baby's so fragile. Right. And so, okay, fine. Don't worry about it. In a year, she's going to be that, 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 that. And she's going to think you're chopped liver. So that'll be his time. But don't make him feel like his way is the wrong way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Unless he asks. If he asks, then absolutely. Get away from the fear. Yeah. 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 Getting away from the fear is the name of the game. This has been episode yeah. one of Ask Joanne at the Modern Coup. Our whole reason and purpose for being is to share that mothers know best. I mean, mm-hmm. you are going to know your baby best. We're just going to help navigate all of the mumbo jumbo that's out there. Yeah. I'd like to go ahead and dedicate this episode to uh, Maria Viagrana. Uh, beautiful wife and mother um, who passed um, this week. Uh, So many mothers, we don't know what's going on with you. We don't know about what's happening mentally, um, Mm -hmm. what kind of situation you have with your partner, what kind of support system that you have. Um, But we do want to help provide resources. So you'll see mental health resources listed below this video. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, kudos to every mom out there who's going through it and going through their journey and and doing the best they can. You're responsible for continuing the human race. It's a very big responsibility. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to The Modern Coup. If you liked this episode, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have questions that you're burning to ask, be sure to go to Instagram, follow the modern coup, modern coup, and click the link in our bio. Not only do we have a new book that you can pre-order using the code fearless to get a discount. We also have a farm where if you have a question that you want to ask Joanne, boom, you can go live with us. Thanks so much for tuning in. We wouldn't be here without your support. And thanks to you, we can make for more fearless moms.